0: <laughs> I'm only thinking about two things on August 1st: how absolutely hot it is, and football's is right around the corner.
1: Hey, football is here, baby. Maybe the Hall of Fame game, but it's still, still NFL football being played today. Elway's pace no sidelines, so you better believe. Yeah, it. Yeah, he's like,
0: even <laughs> I'm gonna get fired if this doesn't work yeah.
1: out. <laughs> he's like,
2: this better work. <laughs> he's, like, he's running. Uh, uh, they say he gave himself up. I don't know. Well, well, it's the Hall of Fame game, so...
1: Yeah, I know, but... I mean, Drew Locke gave himself up, but the tackler was already in tackling motion before he did it, so it's kind of like, eh. Can't really pull up on that. Already officiating crisis. Yeah. Man, I was telling Nathan that Kalafani Muhammad is on the Broncos, and he scored a touchdown, and they also have Nick Williams on their their squad. Yeah, I saw that they had Muhammad. (laughs) I... I didn't know they had Nick Williams. Yeah, actually, he just made a catch, surprisingly. Oh,
0: now he yeah, made right. a catch. Now he did. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you jerk. I went for a run about an hour ago. I could have poured one over my head after mm. that. It was so hot uh, still.
1: I'll never forget. So the year, I don't remember if it was before or after Chanel and I got married, we ran the half marathon. And as you cross the finish line, they give you a beer. So I just stopped and I laid down. And I was like, please, somebody just pour this in my mouth.
0: You <laughs> really said that to a stranger?
1: Yeah, somebody did. I, somebody did. Somebody
0: did pour it in your yeah.
1: mouth. I was like, no, 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 no this, this is a bad idea. I take it back. Because I couldn't I couldn't walk. I was like crippled.
0: Big fellow, I know i told you this literally not your <laughs> but never change.
1: Oh, I promise I won't. <laughs>
0: big fellow, for you, what's been the big news of the week since we've talked?
1: You know, there are a lot of things going on, but one of the big things is is this Melvin Gordon holdout. I can't really, obviously the man wants to get, the Chargers aren't saying, no, we're not going to pay you. They've actually offered him quite a decent contract. They're offering him around $10 million a year, and he Le'Veon is like out 14, so he wants to trade.
0: That. Yeah, that's insulting to him, but Le'Veon Bell got fourteen a year, so he set the market. So Gordon wants that, at least. So $10 million is an insult for them. So that that's kind of where it's at. This is a larger issue of how most teams in the NFL are going to try to short the running back market just because how effective non-first-round guys have been out of the gate. There's some teams that are just going to recognize the brand and they're, they're going to value that or they're going to really like the player. We've seen over and over again, like, look at Gurley, as great as he was. The uh, replacement-level players that came in for him were still really good because that offense ran really well. They weren't Todd Gurley. So you just see that over and over again, and we're going to see that possibly next year uh, with Henry, and we're going to talk about that later. But the running back thing and their salaries and their value is just super, super interesting. Melvin Gordon is a very good player with a little bit of an injury history uh, he's obviously very offended once traded. I, first of all, I'll ask you, do you see a trade in the works? I don't. And how do you think this gets resolved?
1: I really don't see a trade in the work. I mean, obviously, he's a very good player. And, yeah, he's probably worth a new deal. But, you know, with him, I kind of think that the Chargers are spot on. I'd probably stick around that $10, $10 million a year range. I don't think he's in the same conversation as Gurley uh, or as Le'Veon Bell. I I, I mean, yes, like I said, we he's good. Um scored a whole bunch of bunch of touchdowns, but I mean, you know, his rookie year he he didn't score a single touchdown. And, you know, he isn't even out of his rookie contract yet, um, looking for an extension. So I think it will finally I think it will end up being resolved. I don't think he's gonna sit out the whole year because he's not a franchise he's not he's not tagged like LeVeon Bell was. He he will lose a lot. If he sits out, I don't think he's, well, he's not
0: tied out. because he's not eligible to be tied. He'd be eligible to be tied next year.
1: Right. He's still in a contract.
0: Right. So, so right. exactly. This ex- being his fourth year. Right. And he's a so, first-round pick. Yep. And so, he's being more he's being more than fairly compensated uh, compared to other NFL running backs. Uh, really, all the first-round guys are in that kind of top half of starters in, in, in terms of pace. That's what makes it interesting. There's two items of leverage that I think, and then I'm going to ask you, Landon, about this Los Angeles Chargers have One, the franchise number this year for running backs is $11.2 million. I don't think it will uh, move a lot uh, next year. It'll move some, but it most would be 12. If he's wanting 14. that's the new market. They would just franchise them, right? And uh, they don't know. These guys, just almost everyone, do not have a very long shelf life, even as they're Approach 30, not even after 30. So for them, it's like, we well, just franchise them, where that number is much higher for other positions. Number two, the way their offense has run, just not even of late, just for a while, if offense has not been their problem. We saw Austin Eklar, a guy I had never heard of, be a really good backup running back last year. And then we saw another guy that I had never heard of. Play for Eklar late in the season when he was hurt and play really well. I'm not saying anybody can play. Those guys are as good as Melvin Gordon. But those two items of leverage is basically they've been plug and play at that position. And why give a guy a contract when you can just give them a a pretty low franchise number and just kick the can down for another year? Landon, what do you think about Gordon in, in the whole bit? I think he'll end up getting
2: an Aaron Donald where he plays out his contract. He gets franchise tagged a couple times. Except they don't give him the big money and they just let him walk because that will be like when DeMarco Murray left Dallas, they just used up all the trail on the tires. And when it came time to pay him the long term money, they just let him walk.
0: Yeah, that was really shrewd that they did. And obviously Le'Veon Bell was, was the shrewd one that you sort of avoid that, but he missed out on a lot of money out of principle and anything could have happened. And he could have missed on, you know, this good deal that he got from, from the Jets. Really interesting stuff. That is a, a position that is heading in a really unique direction, really away from all the other positions in the NFL. It just seems like there were undervalued positions tied in in safety. And they are incrementally, I think, seeing as the game has changed and some players have become more versatile, you've seen even the value of them increase. Look at Kevin Byard. But the running back, it's not that it's not valuable. It's not that these guys aren't super talented. I think there's just so many of them. I just think their shelf life is, is just obviously statistically lower. Lana, what's the other big news of the week for you?
2: Well, Michael Thomas just completely reset the wide receiver market. He got a five-year, $100 million deal with $61 million guaranteed from the Saints. So obviously this affects the Falcons and Julio Jones. And all the other star receivers, I'll be up for extensions in the future. He's the first receiver to go over $20 million per year. He's the highest-paid receiver. And to me, it's obvious this is a win-now move because outside of Thomas and maybe Kamara, they really don't have a dangerous receiving threat. And the, and they still believe in Drew Brees. I guess they still think they can win. So they just paid Thomas, keep the team happy, keep them in contention.
0: Well said, John. I know uh, when we talked uh, two days ago in this, in this broke, you had a bit of a sticker shop stock for Michael Thomas. Are, are you, you still feeling that way? I, I feel like this is a... Hey, hard to call a hundred million dollars a good deal for a team, but with guaranteed money, it's really twenty million a year for three years. How are you feeling about this two days later?
1: Yeah, I mean, I still think it's a lot of money, but I, I've had time to think about it. You, you've talked me off a ledge, and it makes a lot more sense now that I've been able to digest it. And you know, the things that they want to do as a team, and you know, to get that kind of a talent locked up—that's that, the end game here, right? You, you want to get that player locked up for a while. He's not an issue with his contract for a long time still get a high high level of play and i mean let's face it as soon as he came into the league he was a superstar he's not one of these guys that had to blossom into one um he's he's been amazing since he stepped on the field so it you know more power to him love that yeah i i love it when guys who earn it actually get paid so i'm really happy for him i mean that's life changing money uh in a way that i can't even
0: ever Imagine. That's Um. an excellent point that he hit the ground running, and hundred million dollars is about as life changing as it gets, right? (laughs) Right. You're right, uh, running backs. Yeah. Oh, you're good. You're right. Receivers historically, even really great ones, sort of have to acclimate. Even if they look really good in spots in that first year, very rarely do they basically are the best receiver on their team from training camp on, and rarely are they just like in full form. Michael Thomas absolutely was. Obviously, he went to a team. That is just an offensive juggernaut. But even then, uh, the guy has incredible talent. Of course, we had more than one chance in the same round he was picked, and uh, you know that that's tough uh, sledding for us because uh, he was picked in the seventeen draft, right? Um, wasn't he picked in the Kevin second Diedra. round? Draft, oh, Landon. Yeah. I told you don't don't he mention was. that name ever again. So <laughs> we had three shots at him, and I think he went like forty seventh, right? He went, like, two picks after Derrick Henry,
2: if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we passed on three different times. <laughs> three times, big fella. And only Derrick Henry has looked close to even being remotely justifiable. That's no, only because he decided yeah. to run over the Jags. Why do you guys make me do this? It huh?
0: so, makes you think. It's just really, really interesting. Heartbreaking, in that matter. Yeah,
1: 2016 draft.
0: Fellas, let's talk about, for the rest of this episode, our quarterbacks. We're going to go through each position. We're going to talk about... Everybody that's on our training camp roster, we're going to sort of rank them. and We're going to kind of predict where we think they're going to end up as far as our 53-man roster and and what we think they'll do this season just before anything gets started, just to get everybody acclimated with the names and who is where. Quarterback room is pretty easy. Um, am I right that we don't even have a fourth quarterback? I know traditionally Fisher would keep a fourth guy, basically, I guess, to have a fourth guy to, um, to, to just throw balls, right? And uh, we've only got Woodside. Marcus Mariota, Ryan Tannehill. Landon, is that right? There's not a fourth guy.
2: Yep, just those three guys. It's because Mariota and Tannehill are both fringe starting level quarterbacks. Mariota more so because of health. So it's not so much we need an extra guy to develop and to just throw some balls. Like you said, that's
0: Woodside's job. All right, let's start with Marcus Mariota. Uh, This is going to seem redundant because we wind up talking about this guy a lot. And the discussion nationally... Even regionally locally, it's going to be about his performance and uh, what happens after this year. So let's go ahead and have that conversation now. What year are you expecting? What do you make of, John, what do you make of, well, he's 10 pounds heavier and he looks great and the ball's whipping around. What are your observations and expectations to this point?
1: I mean, so far, the word on Marcus at camp is he looks incredible, he looks healthy, he looks fit, um, and that's all great, but we all – know where it needs to happen. It needs to happen on Sundays. It needs to happen on the field. I think it can. We've talked a bunch of different times about this is the first time, the first team that we've had that had, we've finally given Marcus a bunch of tools. We've given him a bunch of weapons. He's got arguably the best offensive line he's ever had. Um, you know, we have a pretty good if with Delaney Walker healthy. We've got a really good stable of tight ends. And, you know, we'll talk about it a little later, but we have one of the deepest wide receiver rosters than that I think we've ever had, and probably honestly one of the deepest in the national football league um We've got a lot of- a lot of receivers who we might be considering it as our fourth or fifth receiver that could easily make any of these other thirty one teams as as a two or maybe even three, so I think we're really in a good spot, so all the signs point to him being you know that he's gonna do it that he's gotta he's gotta do it. I think the big question with him as it always is is his health and staying health and staying on the field, which is what we need the most. Um because he's shown flashes. Walked into to Kansas City in January and he's won a playoff game. He's running for an eighty seven yard touchdown. He's thrown a touchdown to himself. I mean yeah, we've seen it guy's done spots, he's done we? it all. That's man. the
0: thing is it's putting it together. Right. And we have seen it in spots. And that's kind of what makes it almost more frustrating, right? But this so, is yeah, the year. That... Because if you're still kind of showing potential in year you know, five, it does, in year four, it doesn't really matter. It's like, well, you have to put it together. And this is the year. Last year, um, Marcus uh, threw for 11 touchdowns and eight interceptions. We've heard that a lot. Not just a lot of production. 2,528 passing yards uh, on 331 attempts. Of course, he was hurt. Uh, some of that. Pro Football Focus grades him out pretty well because he's he's a, a good rusher. But we watch every play, and like you said, he has his moments, and he can be really good in the clutch, and he can sort of lose his accuracy, and he can get just sort of knocked around and just thrown off his game. I think his offensive line was un, sort of underratedly bad. That's probably not a great way to say that. But um, but really all his excuses kind of go out the window because you just have to find a way to produce – our offensive line doesn't look like his, uh, on the outset, put him in a great position uh, vis-a-vis Taylor LeJuan. But it's not an absolute albatross unless we just have a lot of bad injuries. We're going to talk about those guys uh, later on. But this is a year we all know that. I'm excited to see it. I want to see him put it together. Landon, what's your prediction if if we see a good but not great year? I'm of the thinking, as John pointed out, the back end of our roster, wide receiver and almost everywhere else, is almost at an all-time high, at least since 2008. We have a really well-built roster. I think it's going to continue to get better. But especially on the back end, just with the shuffling and the good drafting and the uh, undrafted free agent, you know, we're, we're being run by a competent front office. So there's talent. Um, the top end of this talent, the top end of this team, the talent, they're – that's going to be the decision on what a, that's going to fa- be the factor of how good this team is this year. If Marcus Mariota has a top half year, he doesn't have to be Peyton Manning. If he's the 14th best, uh, legitimately the 14th best quarterback in this league, I could see us winning 10 or 11 games, right guys? So let's say he's good, not great Landon, What's the front office's likely decision for him next year?
2: If he's good, not great. I think we, we, he, I think he comes back because, like you said, good means near the back half of the top 16 stars, but still. That's serviceable. It's a guy who, in flashes, can be really good. He won't sink us. I think you'll have a season just as good or as better than his second year where he had 26 touchdowns, only nine interceptions, almost got us to the playoffs. I, I really think, assuming the health of this team stays, stays good, it does. I think Marcus is going to bounce back, and I think he'll be our quarterback of the future.
0: Yeah, I think if he's good this year. I think and we have a playoff caliber team, or we take that step and we will say win another playoff. game. I think that's what really they're going to tell you. But I think what they want to see is us to go back and, and win another playoff game. I think that's the goal, the unset goal inside that building. And the, or at least as a baseline. Obviously, they want more, and I think they feel like they can. And we know what's missing because everybody else seems prime. No, not everybody. No one on this team has been perfect, but Corey Davis had his moments right in the clutch. We just need consistent quarterback play, and uh, we'll see. But uh, to the good not great question. I just wonder if they'd franchise him. Franchise next year probably be about twenty six million. But just in the way quarterback contracts are going, it seems like twenty five million, John. It's kind of the new baseline and you don't right. have to be elite to get that. So this front office is kind of bold. I could see us franchising and I think the communication and relationship uh, with Marcus is the is such that I don't think it would burn any bridges. Uh, I no. wonder if they I wonder if they don't really think of that as an option if he is good and takes a step but not the ultimate step. What do you think?
1: Right. Look what happened with Kirk Cousins. I don't think teams are going to be afraid to, to use that franchise tag on a quarterback anymore because your franchise tag is essentially going to be what the market is if you're going to give them a long-term deal. So I think you're right. I I think if they aren't a hundred percent convinced after this season, and you know, they uh, you know if Marcus has a decent year, uh, you know, and doesn't sh- if he, I'm I'm not going to say he's going to be healthy enough to play sixteen games. I would love it, but it, you know, if he's that borderline. I would not be surprised if they franchised him. And, you know, I don't think he'd be angry or or, or hurt about it at all. I mean, Marcus seems like a very down-to-earth person. And I think he's the first person to tell you if he did or did not live up to expectations.
0: Well, I think the national media and our fan base is thinking something bad is going to happen. He's going to hurt. We're going to have a bad year and he's going to move on. Or he's going to have an awesome year or he's going to have a good enough year. They're going to have to give him the next quarterback contract. There's not a lot of in between anymore on quarterback contracts if you've noticed. But uh, my point is like you said, most quarterbacks if they get it they're getting in that 20-25 range just pretty much everybody now. So, I think they have the equity with Marcus Mariota. Obviously you mentioned Kirk Cousins and he was he was mad at that coaching staff and front office before it came to the franchise stuff. He felt like they overlooked him and didn't give him a chance and Really didn't go to him as a starter as soon as he should have. There was bad blood there, but usually the franchise, franchise tag, like, as we know, creates a um, a pretty bad relationship between the player, his agent, and the team. But I just wonder if that is, wouldn't be a resource for uh, everybody. He would get big money. Everybody wants long-term, especially a guy with his injury history. But let's say he's the 13th best quarterback. With him being the 13th best quarterback, I mean his running game and and all that. I think we could. I think we could live off that. I really do think that would be okay. Let's say we go eleven and five and we may maybe we do like we did two years ago and and win a playoff game. But we have an underratedly kind of young team in a lot of ways. Everybody plays well, eleven and five would be a lot of fun, and and he plays well enough. Well, they may not want to give him what they would have to give him, which would basically probably be eighty million dollars guaranteed, twenty-five million a year for five years. Maybe they say, right. hey, play next year. I project that franchise tag will be about $27 million in 2020. And uh, as opposed to that, making him a target for trade or a target to get mad and leave after that, I I think we could exist there. And uh, I just wonder if there is not that middle ground there. What do you think, John?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think it could happen without a doubt. I don't think he would – I don't think he'd be mad at the franchise if we did it. You know, I, I think if you're Marcus – and if we get to that you know 11 and 5 point and Marcus plays well enough and if we go to a playoff game if we win a playoff game they're going to give him a deal i'm i'm convinced that that's going to happen because to me that would be Marcus being that franchise guy now i mean we might be riding Derrick Henry's back for 2000 yards or whatever it might be but i'm convinced that if we go into you know Arrowhead or if we go anywhere and win a playoff game i think that's going to be all right, you know, Mark, You know Marcus has won two playoff games for, for us. You know, he's, he's our guy. I think, I think that gets him the contract. But I think anything short of the playoffs, he just has to play lights out and best season ever. Or he's in the situation that we're talking about where we might franchise him next year, which I think is completely reasonable.
0: Right. Uh, I guess my point is I don't think we have to see him just magically become Steve Young. Uh, to move forward as our franchise quarterback. I think there are uh, some potential where we can kick the can down the road a bit. Let's talk about Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is a guy who we all know about. We haven't probably watched a ton of Dolphins football if they weren't playing us. But the guy obviously has physical tools. He's a He was a wide receiver for a time at Texas A&M, 6'4", 207", he was the eighth pick in the 2012 draft. Last year, he had 17 touchdowns and nine interceptions. He had some injuries and some issues last year, and uh, they went another way. Weird year in Miami last year. Obviously, a very qualified backup and an intriguing player, uh, John. You mentioned uh, that you're not confident Marcus Mariota is going to play 16 games, Landon. They've this guy's insurance, right? What what can what are your expectations? It's hard to say because he may play. And he may not play. What are your expectations at least at this at this point in the in the in the, pre, in the training camp for, for Tannehill?
2: I think he'll probably. I think he'll have to start a couple of games. I think he'll go one and one. Mariota misses two games, and the biggest reason we have him is because he stabilizes his team. If Mariota gets hurt, the, where the drop off from Mariota to Tannehill isn't that big of a difference, where the offense is just completely different. Obviously, this is comparing them how they were last season. And it just gives us a security and blanket where Mario doesn't feel rushed, where he has to play to keep us in contention. And the coaching staff doesn't have to make a rash decision to keep their jobs because their backup's terrible and they have to win to keep their job.
0: I think that's an excellent point. John, think back to Week 17 when that Mariota wasn't playing and we had to play Gabbard, the Colts for a playoff game, you know, for for a trip to the playoffs, and, and Gabbard was going out there. And Gabbard, you know, was um, was an upgrade to what we had previously, and I think played valiantly. Honest, in in your heart of hearts, big fellow, how would you have felt about Tannehill going into that game? I
1: would have felt way better. I mean, it, you know, say what you want about the guy, but he's been an established starter, um, and he's earned a second contract. So he's a guy who has proven he can do it too. Had a lot of injury histories. His, I wouldn't say they're as chronic as Mariota, because I think one year he had a torn ACL, which I mean that could happen to anybody. And he's had lingering stuff from that. So I, I would have felt way better with Tannehill than than Gabbert. I mean, uh, Tannehill's game is much more similar to Marcus's. He's, like I said, he's proven the ability to be a, a quality starting quarterback. So I yeah, get that I mean, too. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I feel way, I feel much more comfortable with him being our backup if Marcus has to miss any time, and I would have felt 100% more comfortable if he had been around last year as opposed
2: to Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, if we had Tannehill, either it comes down to the wire or I think we win because we were, we were down seven the way through the fourth, then Gabbert threw that interception, then things just spiraled out of control from there. So we were in it with Gabbert not being very good, so I can I can see a way where Tannehill gets us a win.
0: We were playing without Logan Ryan. We we're playing without Dr. Casey, but we played with a lot of heart that day. I never in my heart felt like we were going to win that game, as y'all know. But uh, we did give effort, and there, there. If we had a a little bit better quarterback play, who knows? Uh, you make a good point. Uh, Tannehill has almost a two to one uh, touchdown to interception ratio, which which matters to me. He's played, and I don't like when people say this about. Have about players, but because really good players find a way. He's played on some interesting, let's say, uh, Dolphins teams over the last seven seasons that he was there. I hearken back to 2008, our last really good, really good team, in my estimation. Uh, I felt like during the regular season, especially at the end of the regular season, we're the best team in the NFL. We beat by almost three touchdowns uh, in week 16. The team, the stupid Steelers, that almost, I mean, that, that wind up winning the Super Bowl a month later. That team, of course, uh, started the year with Vince Young, and Kerry Collins was behind the, uh, the excellent run we had. Now, Kerry Collins had a more distinguished career than Ryan Tannehill has prior to that point, but the front office uh, had a competent backup because of just the nature of really the relationship between Vince Young and Jeff Fisher and uh, some injury stuff. But Kerry Collins was older, and uh, we we didn't have to uh, spend a lot of money or assets to get him. He was available, right? Right. Um, so he played really well, and he got a chance to, to play uh, on a really good team. Uh, and that 2018 was a really good team. Any chance that we see? I know we don't want that, but I just wonder if that narrative is even in the back of either of y'all's mind.
2: I think it certainly could happen just because, like you said – this team's depth is well-built, so even if Tannehill does have to come in for an extended stretch, it doesn't necessarily have to fall on him to win games because our defense looks to be just as good, if not better. We were third in points against. Derrick Henry looks like he he figured out who he was. He could be a workhorse. I could see Tannehill winning several games where they're ugly, in-between-the-trenches in defensive affairs where Henry has 30 carries, and Tannehill doesn't even break 200 yards. But he still is, he's still getting us wins. I think that's certainly possible.
1: I would agree. I mean, you have to look at it. Can Tannehill play football? Yes. Can he be a good quarterback? Sure can. Do I think he's a better
0: athlete and quarterback than Kerry Collins? Probably. Well, Kerry I mean, looked good in that year, and he knew what he was doing. He yeah. Had, he had the savvy of a veteran, and um, but – the comparison can be made. I mean, because going into that season, if I would have told either one of you, Land was during that season six years old, but he went to multiple games with me and wore his Vanderboss jersey and the whole bit. But going into that season, guys, would either of you believe me if I'd have told you Collins is going to start almost every one of these games and we're going to go thirteen and three? Do you <laughs> want to would believe t- that? I and told so- you it lost. <laughs> So we don't want people to think that this is what we want to happen or we think it's going to happen, but this is the time of year to run through the scenarios and kind of what ifs and what might happen and what could we be looking at. So uh, we all know that it could fall apart um, if this or that happens, right? But uh, we need to kind of look on the other side and see what we might be talking about later in the season, what we might be dealt with. We didn't think that it would be Gabbert in Week 17 uh, for a playoff spot. So we'll see. Uh, We may have to depend on this guy. Hopefully Marcus and uh, his extra 10 pounds is just going to be heck on wheels and it'll be amazing. Before
1: before we move on, you know, like you talked about, we don't want this scenario, but 10th grade law class, Mr. Cunningham, he taught us the 6P principle. The 6P principle is proper planning prevents piss poor performance. I'm a fan of that. I try to live my life by that, well, kind of, by that philosophy, um, but I really think that's kind of the approach we're taking uh, you know, we are planning for any situation that can come our way. We've got the depth at pretty much every position, um, and we're 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 trying to make a run at this thing. We we have a great team, and I think, like you said, we don't plan on Tannehill being. We don't want uh, us talking about Tannehill being a starting quarterback. Is not that we don't have faith in Marcus because I have. We all know how I am about Marcus. I love that kid, and we, I want yeah. him to do it, but. Tannehill can get the job done if pressed into duty.
0: Well, we don't know that, right? And we don't know if he will play or if he'll play well. But I do applaud, you mentioned planning. I do applaud uh, the front office for being shrewd enough to to find who they thought was going to be the best available quarterback. He wasn't on the market. And I appreciate them doing that without giving up a major asset. And because they're putting themselves in the best position possible back end of our roster and our backup sort of reflect that in just three short years and uh, is it perfect no but is it as good as I can remember yes uh, it really is now this like all team sports it's going to be determined by you know their stars and their luck and their health uh, but it certainly uh, doesn't hurt uh, that we do have options and uh, Tanya we'll, we'll see but he, he, he is a decent option and and I would say a top five backup in the nfl and that's good to to be in that position i think let's talk about logan
2: go ahead yeah top five is certainly fair because he was good enough to start even though it was on some pretty suspect miami teams
0: yeah i mean the guy's what not 30 has 125 touchdowns 75 interceptions is a good athlete i mean how many backups have that just that resume okay so yeah uh good job front office and we will see if we hope we don't see but um, I certainly see where their head's at, and I just appreciate rooting for a team that I feel like their front office cares about this as much as I do, right? So, you know, good good for them. But let's talk about Logan Woodside. He's uh, our third and, and last quarterback on this roster. Uh, interesting guy. Um, usually our third guy is, is a guy like this that played at a smaller school and has sort of got athleticism and smarts. Lo- Logan Woodside uh, played at Toledo. This is, I think, his second year out of college. Interesting thing about Woodside, did you guys know he played in the um, AAF last year? Sure did. He, and, uh, he, had a decent, he had a decent decent, career. I mean, he
1: started seven games. He threw seven touchdowns. He threw seven picks. He averaged seven yards for completion. So, this is our seven guy. <laughs> um, I can't
0: believe I didn't put that in the notes, and you just knew his AAF sets right off the top of your head. Yeah, he, he played. That he was, big fella. <laughs> you, and you're the one of us watching the Hall of Fame game right now. So, you – you are the fan. Were I, you like, were, were you a sideline reporter for the Birmingham team? For the, yeah, the Hey, Birmingham? he
1: was on the San Antonio Commanders. Incredible. He was drafted yeah. in the third round of the the AFQ of the draft. Quarterback so, draft. Yeah, man,
0: I, I know you can't click that fast, so you must have just just known. They get this. And his, his
1: rating was a seventy-seven.
0: <laughs> Well, here's the thing. He didn't light it up, but I uh, felt like just getting that experience. Uh, that's the thing. I'm not a fan of Bill Polian. Uh, I hear him talk sometimes. I think, like, man, this guy does not get it. And they entrusted Bill Polian with uh, pretty much everything in the AAF. And they did not have the ability to, um, guys were going to keep their futures contracts instead of playing for the AAF. I mean, they should have known they weren't going to be able to utilize talent. Uh, we dropped Woodside from the practice squad in I think November that's what made him available and so they just they didn't have the players to play they didn't work anything out with the NFL that was very short-sighted I don't find Bill polling to be like a super credible guy when it comes to running a half a billion dollar enterprise it didn't work out and it's a shame because it would have been nice to see the eight or ten so just below NFL markets here like San Antonio and Birmingham and Uh, Orlando, and give these guys a chance to play. Like, Logan Woodside is a perfect example. It would be great to get this guy some reps, right? We don't have NFL Europe anymore. Uh, Arena football is really not – it kind of exists now on the fringes. And don't you think, Big Fellow that's a big loss that we just don't see – I just wish they had, like, a legitimate, like, minor league ground just so. Think about the guys when we were growing up. Or maybe in the – yeah, in the early 2000s especially, they just – Got a lot of reps in NFL Europe, especially quarterbacks, and um, and came over here and, and played. Kurt Warner comes to mind. I don't know if we we would have Kurt Warner if it wasn't for NFL Europe, and I just think that's a shame.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think there definitely needs to be some sort of developmental league. You know, whether it's the XFL upcoming or or something, it it, it there needs to be something, and it needs to be a serious effort. Um, like you mentioned about Bill and, I don't like him at all. Part of it is because of his involvement with the Colts. The other part of it is I just can't stand to hear him talk. So anytime he comes on the radio, I, I kind of just tune out or turn, you know, change the channel. But I really think he's kind of overrated. Everybody gives him a lot of props because he was involved with the Colts when they drafted yeah. Peyton Manning and Marvin yeah, Harrison. Thank it us for like, Peyton come Manning. on, yeah,
0: like which the guy did some good things in in the last generation of football. I get it, right? Exactly. But uh, he was fortunate too. And like you're saying, when you hear him talk, it's weird for God to be equal parts arrogant and out of touch at the same time. I got the same feeling from Les Miles in interviews, and and uh, those guys, they they don't stay in their job a lot long. Uh, he just seemed like he knew something that we didn't, but it, he what he would touch on, he just seemed totally totally out of touch. So, and you're right, we might be biased because Wolf cults, <laughs> but whatever. Right. I wish I could have drafted paid Manning, too. Right. right. I mean, I made my career, too. Well, guys, that's all we have time for today. We're going to be back with you soon, and we're going to drop episodes just of these positions, and we're going to go down the entire roster. So you'll know who these guys are, what their number is, where they came from, and kind of how we rank them uh, really going into the preseason and kind of who we kind of, on the onset, who, who we think is in, in good position to maybe secure a, a roster spot. Until then, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.